Welcome to Beltway Talks, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between Washington politics and the auto retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode of Beltway Talk is brought to you by AIADA Affinity Partner Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Since 1997, Federated has partnered with AIADA to provide its members with superior business insurance and risk management solutions. Find out more at AIADA.org. Today, we are talking via phone with our 2020 chairman, Jason Corder. It has been an eventful few months since he took the helm of AIADA during our 50th annual meeting and luncheon in Las Vegas, and he's here to tell us about how he has navigated COVID-19, what he's hearing from his fellow dealers, and how dealers can stay involved in Washington, D.C. from a distance. Welcome to Beltway Talk, Jason. Thank you much. It's my first one. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Well, it's great to have you. Um, Now, I know that you took over as AIADA chairman in February, just a few months ago, but that was just as COVID-19 was really showing up in the U.S., and that your dealerships were also near the first infection hotspot in Kirkland, Washington. So you definitely had to hit the ground running. Um, can you talk a little bit about how COVID-19 has played out at your dealerships in the past few months? Absolutely. So, you know, it, I, I've had some recent interviews uh, as becoming the chair. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it, it, even though it's been roughly 90 days, it feels like years uh, in the mm-hmm. spot. And, and we're still trying to uh, kind of prime the pump and get everything going. Uh, but uh, upon our return in, in mid-February, you know, the news came out with this life care center right in our uh, one of our dealerships, towns of Kirkland, Washington. Uh, as a matter of fact, our dealership's about two and a half miles away as the crow flies uh, from this facility, this life care center. It was the epicenter, and if you can even remember at the time, it was such a big deal that a local dealership in that town even was shut down because there was a case of uh, COVID there, which really sprung mm-hmm. a lot of things into action. I, I, I actually had a lot of interviews at that time, uh, you know, what's going on uh, on, the, on the ground level, you know, what are we doing to uh, sanitize our, our facilities? You know, it's really interesting uh, what we've learned uh, since really about March 2nd. I, I have that date vividly in my mind because uh, that's when we learned uh, not only about life care, uh, the Life Care Center, but also the other uh, uh, business that's related to auto uh, was shut down for two weeks uh, just to make sure that the whole facility uh, could be sanitized and, uh, you know, protect everyone uh, from this new virus uh, you know, that we were all experiencing. Uh, so, you know, it, the the focus that we had to make sure that we had a clean store at the time, not even realizing that the governor was going to soon be shutting down uh, really our whole state by about mid-March, just getting our, our ourselves to understand what it took to, uh, you know, just the basics of washing your hands and, you know, covering covering your mouth, uh, when you sneeze or you cough and, and reminding everyone just to kind of do the basic hygiene principles, uh, you know, looking back at it now, uh, it, it's crazy how far we've come. Uh, it was it was really surreal at the time to go through it. Uh, and still today, we've learned a lot. But, you know, coming out of it, I think uh, everyone, every business will be a lot better off with uh, some of the new protocols that we've all put in place. Yeah, definitely. And I know that a lot of dealerships were forced to furlough employees and lay them off and the like. Um, how ha- how did you handle the employment changes that COVID-19 kind of dictated? 
Well, you know, that's a uh, that that's always a tough one to answer because we're we're still kind of in the middle of it. Uh, but uh, the the good news is is almost all of our staff uh, is back. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. we did have to do furlough. In our state, it's interesting. We have a we have a uh, uh, a different term for furlough. It's called standby. And what's mm-hmm. good what's great about standby is that these these employees are all still employed. Uh, but they are at home collecting unemployment benefits, but I still get to keep them on their tenure so they can earn their vacation time if they have an anniversary. Uh, but most importantly, we also get to contribute to their health care so they don't have to go on to COBRA and then search for something else You know, after, after 30 days. Uh, the state has allowed us at least 12 weeks. That could be extended, but we started on that about mid-March, uh, we uh, once the governor issued what's called the stay home, stay healthy order, and basically uh, every business, every restaurant uh, was closed. Uh, we went from an average staff in our sales department of roughly 45 people down to uh, one individual at each store, which was our uh, sales manager to handle uh, every question that a customer had previously uh, to mid-March on, you know, uh, any any question about their sale, plus two customers that you know wanted to buy cars, they were they didn't know exactly what was going on, so we had to educate every customer about uh, you know what that uh, entailed and what they could do. Uh, all why why uh, most of our employees were sitting at home. We we roughly had about two thirds of our employees, uh, mainly from the sales side of things. Uh, that remained at home, you know, during all of this up until about May 5th. Uh, our our fixed operations teams, we had a little bit of furlough activity, but for the main uh, for the main group of technicians and a small amount of service advisors, they were deemed essential uh, through this. Uh, so we were able to still perform a lot of service uh, activity uh, as well. And most of our staff came back roughly around May 5th uh, once we uh, jumped into a new phase of business. That's the exciting part is is being able to uh, uh, bring people back, have them be excited uh, to come to work. Yeah, they had to learn a whole bunch of new things with wearing masks uh, every day, and we're learning through that as, it's, as it starts to get a little uh, more warm mm-hmm. around here. We need to find everyone's got about three or four different ways uh, either to wear a mask or which mask does better in the heat versus the cold. So we're learning, and uh, but it's just good to have everybody back. Yeah, I can imagine, and that actually um, segues well into the next question I have for you. Um, is that is, what are some of the biggest changes that you've had to make at your dealership, um, specifically ones that you think will have a long-lasting impact on how you're selling vehicles to consumers? Well, you know, there, there, there's two parts because there's there's you know what we did with our staff, you know, and then obviously maybe some business modeling change. You know, starting with the staff, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things we learned. Uh, as I said, you know, the, uh, vividly what sticks to me is March 2nd, uh, daily communications, okay, and this, this was important to let our staff know how important it was for the hygiene aspects because mm-hmm. we certainly didn't want to have a COVID case, whether it be one of our employees, which, you know, knock on wood here, uh, we have not had a case, uh, nor have we had a case from any of the customers that have, uh, you know, come through our doors uh, uh, since the beginning of this. Uh, so we're excited about that. But I think the, some of the things that we've put in place to change uh, all of our sanitation efforts, you know, from fogging every week, uh, that's something that we're going to continue to do. We didn't do that uh, previously. Um, you know, having 
some of the uh, clear screens, you know, in, in places where we communicated the service advisor, finance, cashier uh, area, that's been a big change. Uh, going forward, but that protects our customers, that protects our employees. I think also having a dedicated person to deal with all the HR uh, issues. Mm -hmm. When I say HR, this isn't just standard coaching, counseling stuff and onboarding and offboarding people. This is dealing with a lot of questions with the employee security department that come through. As it changes uh, for what we've learned through the business side of things, you know, coming out of this, when we first started, we were always thinking about having an online presence on how to sell cars, uh, kind of the models that uh, we've all heard about and we know that we're dealing with a little bit with, uh, you know, what is the Carvana uh, model mm -hmm. uh, of the world? Um, what is the Tesla model? Some of it, what's the CarMax model? Uh, this has really given us the opportunity because still today our showrooms are closed. We're, we're open. We can sell to virtually anybody. Uh, that wants to buy a car, but it's got to be appointment only, and the whole process needs to start and basically finish online. So mm -hmm. that it, it 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 put us in this environment of something that I wanted as a business owner as well, and and knew that the market, hey, we're in Seattle, you know, I mean we're high tech. Uh, some would call it the epicenter uh, in the U.S. for high tech, and so you know, in a way, we needed to be there. So this has really helped us. Less than one percent of our sales were that way. Uh, coming out of this right now, it's well over 50%. And I can see a mm -hmm. settling on this between uh, the, the number that I'm very confident to say coming out of it going forward will roughly be about 30% as our modeling uh, moves forward. Uh, it really trims down the time uh, for the customer to spend at home, do their shopping. Uh, the key is to have the inventory, uh, the correct inventory. As we all buy things online, we kind of know what we're all looking for after we research it. So sometimes we don't go for the alternative option. We wait for when the one that we want uh, is available. Mm -hmm. So that's what we've learned from this, too, is making sure you have inventory. And the final thing is probably pick up and drop off service uh, as well. That's something we wanted to do. Uh, you know, growing our business anyways before COVID. So this has uh, forced us to uh, uh, do some of these trials, you know, and offer services where we can do, we can clean your car before. We can obviously, we're doing that when we return the car. And we've had some customers that are real interested that don't want to come into the dealership, but they still need to have service done. Uh, and they really like uh, that option to be able to come pick up their car, do an oil change or do a service. Um, and uh, they're appreciative that we're offering those. So I can see uh, as well continuing that service uh, going forward. Well, sounds like <laughs> there have been a lot of changes, um, and I know one thing that has not changed is the big role that dealers like you play in your communities, and I've definitely seen some impressive community outreach, um, even while you guys were in the middle of coping with all of this. What are dealers like you doing to support their communities right now? Well, you know, I think a lot of dealers, uh, a lot of businesses that I've seen, uh, you know, every, everyone kind of bands together uh, through this. And we all, we all know that auto dealers provide in their communities a real big tax base uh, going forward. Uh, so we know that even when we had uh, the crisis back in uh, 08, uh, you know, just the economic crisis, that we knew that there was going to be uh, less sales, less revenues. So a lot of businesses had to step up and figure out, you know, where are some of the needs. Uh, different times bring different opportunities, of course, but... Uh, one of the one of the biggest things that we're proud of right now is 
we're, we're part of phase one in our state uh, for reopening. We're one of the, I'll, I'll say it, we're one of the lucky ones uh, mm-hmm. to be able, we've had the protocols in place. There's 21 things that we have to do uh, to be open, okay? But in order for us to move to phase two, which includes for the first time restaurants to be open at 50% capacity, and hopefully we can get there in early June. But what we decided to do was we offered uh, up to $500 worth of discounts if you could bring in receipts that you, as a customer, wanted to buy a car on top of any other incentive at all, you know, support the local restaurants, bring in receipts up to 500, we'll take an additional 500 off, but really mm-hmm. promote through uh, the Restaurant Association here as well as um, commerce uh, to to really get that message out there. Support your local restaurant, and if you want to buy a car, uh, you know we want to give uh, you know back you know the discount for doing uh, doing your part. Another thing mm-hmm. here is we have farmers over in Eastern Washington that you know they had a bunch of potatoes. You, know, you don't think about this. Well, they had no place to sell them. And so we needed to get these to the shelters. And so my staff, without even me knowing, I get a phone call one day and they say, hey, we're, gonna, we're going over to eastern Washington at 5 in the morning. We're going to go pick up these potatoes. We're going to bring them to the shelters. We're going to bring a car and we're going to give some gas to anyone that goes to participate. Well, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're going to go do. Uh, and that and that's exciting. And, and to see that your staff, when, when you're involved and you want to know that you're a part of the plan going forward and you're a part of, you know, uh, you know, getting that, getting us out of COVID and, and, and doing our part to make sure we can keep progressing uh, to to prevent the de- uh, disease from spreading or the virus from spreading. Uh, we all have to we all have to do our part. And realizing that and hiring your staff that way that that's something we've done. My my father who started the uh, our company in 1979, we followed a mantra from Honda. Uh, that that they've used and we love it. It's called being a company society wants to exist. And part of that is giving back to your community. And we let all of our staff know at our onboarding that, you know, we, we get involved. We, we have pillars in the community we're involved with. We live in this community. We grew up in, the, in this community. And, uh, you know, we want people to know who our family is and what we provide. And uh, on top of it, we know that we have an obligation uh, to make sure our community thrives. And so looking for a bunch of little things, it doesn't have to be grandiose. It's just there's there's a lot of little needs out there, and you just have to keep your ear open, look at social media, talk to your local. Uh, you, a, lot, a lot of times through this, I got to know my mayor a lot better, you know, in the last mm-hmm. 45 days. And, hey, where, where are some of the hot spots? What are some of the needs? We had some online auctions that we participated in because a lot of these auctions and these nonprofits could not operate at all in their physical galas that, you know, have – imagine – all the changes they had to make, you know, no uh, people would buy tables or, or whatever to go to go to these auctions and support these nonprofits. And now those were all completely shut down. I can only imagine uh, the fear and anxiety that they had. Oh, my gosh, are we going to raise money for for our purpose? Mm-hmm. Uh, finding out who those are and still donating or still buying a table or, or the value. There's just so many little things that can be done. Uh, the possibilities are endless. And if you're community-minded, it should be no problem to find out uh, where those opportunities lie. Mm-hmm. Um, just changing gears just a little bit, um, I know when you came in as chairman, one of your goals was to talk to as many dealers as possible. Um, could you talk just with us for a minute about how you've achieved this while you've had so much going on? Well, one of the things, you know, it's interesting, I call it my make-a-friend call. And, mm-hmm. and really my goal 
uh, my, my first week uh, on the job taking the gavel uh, uh, from past chair Howard Hakes, who, again, I talk to almost daily, and uh, he, he's been a great resource on a lot of this. But um, was coming back, and you know, I'm 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 a product of a next gen uh, program, and uh, a previous chair Ray Munganess, as well as Janelle Ross, uh, mm-hmm. uh, brought me aboard uh, to AIADA, even though my father was involved, and I used to come to some of the meetings uh, back in high school. But I just kind of said, well, you know, at the time I might have not really known if this is exactly what was the right thing to do, but I knew if I was going to be in this industry to be able to give back, this is something that my father said it's important, this is what we do, and this is why we do it, uh, that I wanted to at least pass along some of that to some of the um, dealers that maybe have been involved with AIADA who have never uh, maybe come out to uh, one of our summit events that, you know, sadly we didn't have this year due to the virus, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, people that maybe needed to be reengaged or uh, maybe there's up-and-comers that uh, some of these dealers could earmark that uh, I could talk to. And so I, what my goal was was to be able to make five phone calls a week, introduce myself, talk about the plan. Obviously, we got Section 232 tariffs. We have USMCA. Uh, obviously, now we have a big discussion uh, with how – uh, U.S. and China, uh, uh, as it as it deals with trade. I mean, the things that we deal with in automotive and what AIADA represents is free trade, which is our our, our common mission is to make sure everyone understands uh, that that's very important and that's critical. Uh, you know, we've celebrated our 50 years. You know, this year and going mm-hmm. forward, this might be. Uh, is an important year as ever uh, to understand free trade and just to try and introduce people to some of the things that AIADA offers. Uh, So you also ask too as well, and sorry that I get long-winded on this stuff because I'm pretty passionate about it, but Mm -hmm. some of these phone calls uh, have dropped off in the last 45 days, but what's interesting is I'm getting a lot of phone calls okay, Mm -hmm. uh, from other dealers uh, that one know that I'm involved with AIADA in a chair, uh, but hey, what are what are certain things? And sometimes some of it are a little bit are related to trade. But what it, what can AIADA do? Are they are they talking about some things to help us on, let's say the uh, PPP, uh, which is the paycheck programs? Uh, uh, maybe there's uh, uh, you know other issues about uh, you know what. It, who who do I who do I know that is, is there something that I can get involved with a local legislator you know so we have the dealer visit program and we have these uh, what we call our COVID uh, auto talk uh, series that have just been marvelous and and the the amount of people that have been in on these uh, on these what I call my lunch hour calls learning mm-hmm. about so many new things to help guide dealers and businesses. Uh, really through this pandemic, it's been so necessary. So I keep referring people to sign up for these. And I think we've increased roughly our average uh, listenership on these auto talk series by at least 50 to 60 percent uh, on each uh, on each weekly call uh, that happens. And, and we look for relevant material that's out there that what, what can we put in the dealer's hands right now that's so relevant that we keep getting questions on. And the team at AIADA has just done a phenomenal job putting relevant material uh, in front of these uh, business people to listen to so they can make good decisions. 
Um, so while it sounds like you have definitely talked to your fair share of fellow dealers while this is going on, um, is there a general sentiment that you're hearing from them? Um, are they optimistic or, you know, now that we're kind of moving out of the bottom of the, of the curve, so to speak, what are you hearing? Well, you know, it's funny. Of course, optimism. I mean, auto dealers are all, always optimistic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's a huge risk we all take, of course, but you have to be optimistic. Uh, we also uh, represent international nameplate brands, so the choice is well over 50%. So, so we, we also feel very good about that and, and our brands moving forward. Some of the concerns might be state-related. Some states are open sooner than others. Some aren't. Some showrooms are closed. Some showrooms are open. So, you know, each hour it seems to change. Maybe the new PPP rules, uh, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. at one point I think there was even a a threat or or concern that, hey, you might go to jail because you applied for this loan. And, I mean, is that just crazy? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you look at your need, uh, you you know, you discuss it with your CPAs and, and you figure out, you know, what's the right way to go for your business. So as you can tell, there's just been so many uh, ideas and thoughts and issues put forth out there in the last 60 days where one can kind of go crazy. But, you know, in in a nutshell, dealers are still positive, okay? I I would say the optimism is growing. People in May seem to be coming out a lot better than – April. I mean, in our case, we were off 90% in sales volume, maybe even more than that. In April, we sold 26 cars in a store that normally sells 400. And mm. so, you know, you're just like, wow, and it, you know, uh, you know, how are you going to come out of this? But you knew better days were ahead. So this month so far, we just uh, already surpassed uh, uh, 200 units in the month of May. You know, we still got mm. five days to go. So that so that's exciting, you know, but we also know that there's more uh, uh you know, more opportunity ahead as we start opening up showrooms. I'd say some real strong, though uh, uh, specific issues, are inventory. Uh, Some have some sentiment about there might be some inventory struggles as we move through summertime. We know that a lot of our manufacturers maybe shut down the factories, so we think that there's going to be some less product in terms of new cars. Obviously, uh, used cars, uh, some values could change, especially if there's going to be a lot of off-lease or, or rental car companies that uh, uh, have some of their cars and products show up at auctions. Um, also, too, there's even though this PPP program uh, has been very successful on the introduction, but then it changes, it seems like, every day uh, with new rules. And then we also have the stimulus of the extra 600 out there. There's been some concern about employees not wanting to come back. Uh, to work, and so how do we move through that as as we go forward? And you know, all the dealers I talk to, they just want to do it right and get back to business. And uh, you know, hey, when are we get back to normal? You know, is is always the you know one question. Well, right now this is normal, and mm-hmm. uh, as we move through this, each day gets a little better. And uh, you know, the sun keeps shining and it will rise tomorrow. And uh, if we all believe that and just put our head down and uh, work hard every day, uh, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and I know you already referenced this, but so we can keep this, this, this part of the discussion brief, but I know that um, a lot of AIADA's key efforts were focused in recent months on ensuring dealers were able to remain open as essential businesses in their communities. Um, could you just share a little bit briefly about some of the hurdles dealers faced in the early days of COVID-19 and how you and AIADA fought back against those? 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think about this. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's an interesting one because one of my favorite movies out there is The Shawshank Redemption, and Andy Dufresne. Uh, he wants to have people learn how to read, write, maybe get their degree, their high school degree, to high school diploma. And the only way he was able to secure that was by writing uh, letters daily, uh, a lot of them, uh, mm-hmm. just to get uh, enough books to teach people how to read. And I think about that quite often of the stuff that we did that, that reminds me every day that the work does not stop. We're still not open. You know, we, we, we've, we've moved maybe 40 to 50% back to where we really want to be. But the end game is to be able to open up our showrooms safely, uh, you know, for, for our uh, personnel, you know, with six, I mean, the, the social distancing issue, that changes a lot of things in a facility, uh, as well as, you know, for our, our, our customer, you know, we're, we're a mask wearing society, you know, at, at this moment in time, all of our employees in the hotspot areas are wearing masks when they can't uh, get the social distancing handle. But mm-hmm. it requires, I think, any business owner to communicate on a day-to-day basis, if, at least weekly, and, and communicate why you matter in your community and the things that you do, the things that uh, we talked earlier about how you give back to your community. Uh, when you're involved and this isn't just about selling cars and making revenues, this is ways to give back to your community so you can be an active part. You provide jobs. Uh, you you uh, employ a lot of uh, partners and vendors that come in and maybe do your scratch and dent repair. You you have to realize what you really matter in your community, and you have to make sure that your local officials know. And so when this first began, one of the things that we have at AIADA as well is, is the dealer visit program. If you look at my sign-off on all of my emails, it says, ask me about the dealer visit program. And I've, got a, I've had a few people ask me about, well, what does that mean? Well, we have such a great program at AIADA uh, that basically we can pinpoint exactly who is your legislator in your community, and we can make the phone calls handle everything. You just tell us the date that works out, and we can have a 15 to 20 minute meeting set up uh, for you to come in and, and talk and introduce your the constituents of that local uh, legislator, but also to what your business means to the community. And more than ever, right now, we need these legislators to know how we matter in our communities and the jobs we provide uh, uh, to our local economy. So uh, getting involved with that dealer visit program with AIADA, I think, has really been uh, uh, critical, and that's probably one of my biggest uh, uh, pushes as, a, uh, as the chair for this year is to get more people involved with that program. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of you know, other challenges that you all have faced, I know one of those was access to um, PPP loans. So could you take a minute and talk a little bit about how you and AIAD advocated at, on dealers' behalf throughout this challenging process? You know, when, when you look at uh, when the PPP loan uh, program first came out, uh, we know a lot more today, let's put it that way, than we certainly mm-hmm. did when it, when it was first introduced. Uh, the one thing that AIADA has continued to do uh, where, where I where I see a lot of it is, uh, you know, hey, I'm on the West Coast, so it's called First Up, AIADA's First Up. 
and anything uh, pertaining to some of the new SBA rules with the Treasury that's updated, it, it's always been there. So when I wake up, and whether I like it or not, to see what some of the new rules uh, that have come out, it's been pertinent for my controller to obviously make sure that we can uh, do the calculations properly, follow the 75-25 rule, uh, make sure that we got the eight weeks, you know, all, all, all handled uh, under those rules. Now we also know that there's new rules coming out. And who was the first that I saw to be able to update dealers that uh, they're working on behalf uh, for the benefit of all dealers uh, in regards to PPP and the rules and the FAQs, AIADA. And it's right there on any updates that I see on the first up. Uh, as, as, so that that's been a big uh, uh, we've been a big advocate for for all dealers to understand what the knowledge is, but at the same point, uh, make sure that everyone knows that we're a partner for all dealers to make sure that the questions and concerns about what some of the rules and the regulations that dealers have to follow, some of them, hey, they, quite frankly, they don't seem logical. And so you need a voice. You need a voice to be able to communicate to the right people that are creating these policies, procedures. And we have a great team uh, listening to uh, f uh, fellow dealers that are involved with AIADA or not and communicating to the right people to make sure that uh, a dealer's voice is heard to make sure this is done accurately. All dealers want it done right. We just want to know the right rules to play that are fair and have it be as simple as possible. And uh, you give us the rules, we'll follow through. And AIADA mm -hmm. uh, uh, continues to fight that, uh, you know, fight that mission to make sure that uh, uh, the auto dealer has a safe way to play uh, in this uh, in this current play field. Mm -hmm. Well, it's clear that dealers have more on their plates than ever. Um, but in your opinion, why is it so important for them to stay active in AIADA, and um, what can they do to remain connected to their members of Congress even in this era of social distancing? Well, it's an easy one because obviously, you know, I'm involved. So if if, if someone that that wasn't involved, the first thing I would do is I'd I'd, I'd uh, ask them if they have Twitter, uh, get AIADA news uh, right there, uh, get that handle going on uh, on Twitter, you know, get involved with the dealer visit program. We talked a little bit about that. I mean, we handle A to Z uh, for every dealer. There's all you got to do is pick up the phone and call us and say, hey, I'd like to schedule a visit. What do I do? Boom, done, handled, and the team does a great job. Obviously, we've got to work on the legislator schedule, uh, the Legislative Action Network, the Here for America, uh, obviously uh, Twitter, and, of course, First Up. You know, First Up, uh, make sure that you have that every single day. Uh, Basically, as I said, I'm being on the West Coast, when I wake up, there's always pertinent information right there where I can stay up to speed. That, you know, is timely. You know, this is hot off the press, uh, breaking news uh, material that you feel ahead of the curve, that you can uh, know that AIADA is working on the benefit of what's important for all the auto dealers, especially the international nameplates, what's going to be important. I have one final question for you, and that is, what kind of message do you think dealers need to share with both your employees and your customers um, during this challenging period? You know, all, all business, whether we all like it or not, all business owners are leaders in their own right. You know, everyone has a different personality type on how to, uh, you know, how they present the material. Uh, we get that. But what we all need to realize 
uh, is that we've all invested in our communities, and our communities are invested in us. Our communities want us all to succeed. Okay, we employ a lot of people. That that is one message that we need to continue to remember. And getting back to as normal as possible, and getting as many employees back, uh, uh, you know, off of unemployment as quickly as possible, and do it in a safe manner, of following the rules, is probably job number one. Uh, one of the things that um, I've, I, I stated at the end of my speech when taking the gavel back in February uh, as chair is no matter what, dealers will survive, dealers will thrive. I, I continue to believe that uh, in the face of any adversity, uh, and, I, and I've been through it, and, and, and I've been through it, and I've also watched my father go through it, and he was always optimistic, and I always felt that no matter what, we're going to get through anything. And some of that is having that belief culture and that nature just to know that if you work hard and you communicate some of the things that you need, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to explain. It, it, it's not, it's not over, uh, over explaining why you matter. But we do need to remind, especially in this, in this day and age with how many uh, public officials change on a local level, on a national level, a lot of people don't even know what we do. They just think we sell cars or sell service, mm -hmm. and that's it. And so we need to continue to fight to make sure, uh, in a positive way fight is what I mean, of course, but make sure that we let everybody know what it is that we do in our communities, the tax revenue base that we mean to our communities, and the jobs we provide. And if we continue to do that, the job just understand it never stops. But when you continue to do that, we will continue to thrive and we will survive coming out of this. Mm -hmm. um, finally, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up, Jason? I probably need some oxygen, you know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> from there, I mean, that's, hey, I, I, I've, I've given some interviews uh, so far. Everyone's been great. Everyone's been uh, uh, supportive uh, through this. I'm always available to talk to anybody. Uh, at all. Uh, I, I, I would probably like to reiterate the most important thing uh, coming out of this is, man, over communicating even to your staff about certain things, whether it's a, it's a daily email, a nightly email, inspirational messages. Uh, sometimes you might not have material, but man, uh, YouTube uh, provides you a lot of material at times uh, when you're looking for that one thing of, uh, you know, trying to drive home a message. Uh, but probably the most important thing is, is letting your staff know that they matter and uh, they're, they're the difference of uh, what got us back to uh, being able to operate today. And I'm just very grateful that we have a great staff. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Beltway Talk, Jason. It has been great to have you and your insight. Um, and I think you're probably going to have more to update dealers on here in the next few months. We'll look forward to having you on again. Excited to do so. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Beltway Talk. We're always interested in hearing about topics or questions you have, so please feel free to reach out to me directly. My email address is oliverh at aiada.org. Join us again next time for Beltway Talk.